Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is my hilarious friend, Nate Craig. Uh, Nate, so Hello. nice to see you. So nice to see you. I should have said my hilarious comedian friend. They get it. They know what's going on. They know what's up. They know the deal. <laughs> um, You're world famous. They get. They know. Yeah. Then if you if you can't see this, I'm coming from Paris, France today. <laughs> yeah. um, Paris, France, Wisconsin. It's, you know, it's all the same. We're traveling. Yeah, you're, you and I are in the middle of the country this week. Both of us. Yeah, we are. There's, uh, there's people here. Lubbock, Texas, Madison, yeah. Wisconsin. Teamed up. It's like <laughs> yeah. Gold Iron Wu-Tang Clan on this We're show. We're salt of the earth people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you're you're in Wisconsin and you're from Wisconsin, right? Yeah, from here back for the holidays. It's early summertime, I always say, is one of the best times to be in Madison or probably any college town. Like when when the when the students take off and everybody else is just like, oh. <laughs> yeah but then it's fun when they come back it's also the first two weeks when they leave first two weeks when they come back any college town that's, that's yeah the, the rest of the year forget it forget it you can keep it um keep it. <laughs> wait where in wisconsin exactly are you from Ma- madison, madison yeah yep yeah, yep yeah. grew nice. up here went to went to uh you know a handful of montessori schools and then uh and then and then the and then the public school system madison west high school and then uh the biggest Montessori of them all, the University of Wisconsin, Madison. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah. When you the... were growing up, did you know you want to be a comedian? Um, God, it's so funny. I just uh, was thinking about this conversation. Um, I was, do you remember, I'm a little bit older than you, but do you remember at all when, like, Terrestrial TV, like the da, 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 you'd have oh, yeah. five channels. Do you remember the weekends oh, yeah. when they when you would get free HBO? No, and like, I don't it would remember sh- that. Okay, so what uh, you would know what? I was- didn't like understand television scheduling for okay. the longest time, though. So, I mean, I remember seeing like John Leguizamo's Freak. Okay, I don't recall having HBO. Okay, so you know, it probably sure. happened. Well, I just didn't know. Freak, I don't know what year that came out, but I was, well, I feel like I was in at least college when Freak came out, like late, late nineties. Somewhere in the nineties. Yeah. When does your HBO consciousness begin? <laughs> what year? I don't know. Maybe like I was in like sixth grade. So 95, yeah. 96. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I, I graduated high school in 95. So I, I'm talking about like late eighties. What they mm-hmm. would do is you would not have cable. You would just be a real peasant for the peasants <laughs> with their with their antennas uh-huh. and uh-huh. their and their like. Do you remember TVs with? Da, 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 you have to Did get my it to first the TV in Los Angeles. Yeah, okay. it was like a All big right. wooden one that sat on the floor. Okay, okay. So those would plug into the wall. The <laughs> peasants would huddle around it and watch the <laughs> and watch the static uh-huh. and wait uh-huh. for someone to tell them what to do. But what would happen was HBO would just come in free for a weekend and there would be an announcement in the paper and all the peasants, all the children, <laughs> all the peasant children at school would be like, we got HBO this weekend. Oh, my fucking God. And like nobody would go outside. It was it was the, that was the original Internet was the, the weekend when that was the original. <laughs> Take me back. I don't want it. Dude. I don't want what we have. Dude, I mean, well, this was this was fun because you would get a glimpse of like 
what it was like to be rich. I mean, of course, rich people had HBO. And like, mm-hmm. so we, I mean, you would watch, you know, I mean, and then they would, so they would be giving you HBO to try to get you to buy HBO. So they definitely would debut like the newest movie that had been released to HBO, mm-hmm. you know? So if it was like, whatever, like romancing the stone or something, or like, you know, that like was just in theaters, like three months ago. Yeah. And now it's on our TV in our home. We yeah. You don't have to go it. to Blockbuster. <laughs> you don't have to go to Blockbuster. Dude. It, I mean, this is, this is probably right at the beginning of like VHS rental shops. God damn. Do I sound old? This oh, is wow. like, yeah. Well, I mean, if, to be honest, you know, like everybody makes fun of Gen X for being so like, you know, self-important and like talking about, but it, it really was like, I mean, we definitely did see both sides of the switch. Like it is weird. I don't, I don't identify as a millennial only because like, I mean, I think I'm on the older end anyway, but I have, my older brothers are eight and nine years older than me. So I kind of skew older and everything. Plus like uh-huh. middle and nowhere Midwest, they're still living in the in the eighties right now. So I'm like, yeah. I didn't have a cell phone until I lived in Los Angeles. Really? Yeah. When did, <laughs> like wow. What, what yeah. year did you move to LA? 2003. Oh, wow. You Okay. You've been in LA way longer than me. All right. Um, yeah. Shit. Yeah. I also didn't have a cell phone until about then. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, cause you had to communicate with your older brothers. You had to do everything they did. If it made sense to them, it was going to make sense to you. And they yeah. basically made you do, and you were in Indiana at that point. Yeah. In Indiana. So that was a lot Dude. of like lighting yeah. shit on fire, <laughs> building <laughs> right. things out of scraps in the garage. Right. I'm like, I right. guess this is my entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you probably were there like when your brothers were amazed that they had HBO for the weekend. Oh, and, yeah. And, I don't know like, that I would have clocked it because I was in my own little world. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Dude. So just to, I'm just trying to get back to your original question. It was one of those weekends. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I think his name is Billy Connolly. Okay. Yeah. The his, Irish his, guy. Yeah. The Irish mm-hmm. comic, his, his HBO special. Mm-hmm. And he's just up there murdering. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's yeah. a, it's a, I haven't seen it since. I just remember that was the first time I saw somebody do stand up comedy and it was on TV and I was like a real small child. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> Why are those people losing their minds? How is he doing it? You know, and I guess without saying it or thinking it, I just, it just looked like the thing to do. And yeah. then, and then, and then uh, another weekend of free HBO, I think, you know, a Carlin special dropped. I think mm-hmm. by that time it was probably like doing it in New York or, or jamming in New York was the, I'm, I just confused a, a Carlin and a, uh, um, a goddamn doing, taking it to DC. Well, uh, fucking in living color, homeboy shopping network, Tommy Davidson. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm not following. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just combining two different comedy special titles. But, uh, you know, and then once once I saw Carlin doing the same thing, I was kind of like, oh, that's that thing mm-hmm. where people are like saying th- whatever their thoughts and people are going nuts about it. So that was fun. And then, I don't know, cut to 10 years, 20 years. I guess I was in college when I tried the first open mic. So you know, 98. Wow. It's, you know, what's funny to me is that, um, you know, of course, anyone's first, well, 
most people's first experience watching stand-up is somebody who's incredible, who's already on television. Billy Connolly, George Carlin. Right. You know, Eddie Murphy for a lot of people, whomever. I'm like, and now there's just, I feel like there's comedy everywhere because it's in every small town now all across the country. Yeah. I'm like, if you're first time seeing it with somebody just kind of struggling through middling mm-hmm. <laughs> like would you want to do that at all i mean <laughs> it's, well it'd be a different totally different perspective you, you definitely would think you could do better yeah that's, that's funny that's, mm-hmm. i always say like the comics that are starting out now like because you know you see people trying to like you know they're up on the diving board jumping into the ocean now yeah. whereas back then it was not comedy was not big Comedy was not big. No, there's one of the you know one of the famous. Uh, there's a famous open mic from Chicago. Famous open mic. I mean, it was just the biggest open mic when I was coming up in Chicago. It's because the Lions Den, and there was like seventy people would go up, and it was like mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the boom, the second boom. And mm-hmm. like, tell me if this gets too loud at all. Yeah, um, and like, um, you know, people talk about that. Like, just just two years before that, it was twelve comics a magician and two audience members <laughs> in that room. And it was like not big uh-huh. because, and I think, I think eventually people realized how fun standup was, but mm-hmm. also then it became this kind of ubiquitous everywhere, kind of accessible, you know, you can see everybody doing it at every step of the, every phase of mm-hmm. being able to do it. And, you know, I, I think that now it's very difficult to kind of jump into that. It's a very overwhelming business it's the yeah. market is couldn't be more flooded and how are you supposed to get how are you supposed to get work as like a house mc somewhere when there's 50 other people in your small town trying to do that much less get up to feature work without somebody taking you when they don't put up features anymore much less headline when yeah you know every, every headliner has a million I don't know how anyone's followers. starting now or why <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how or why they're starting. Really, I, I, I'm people ask for advice. That's that's the funniest response is you know <laughs> quit before you start. But but the the advantage is um, the advantage is is that you do get to see every if you want if somebody's trying out there, you get to see them at every step of their development, and you get mm-hmm. to know what is expected, what is being done. You don't have to look around. You don't have to drive across country to see what's relevant. Or what the, you know, the best people in the business are doing right now. You know, like I, I drove VHS tapes from Chicago to Denver to San Francisco Mm -hmm. to drop off to clubs before I had to see, you know, (laughs) Al Madrigal in San Francisco at the Cobbs, Uh you know, open mic and retire my old Navy SEALs bit because Al Madrigal was doing it already. That's hilarious. Like... It's it's so funny also to think you're having to haul around fucking VHS tapes. Oh, dude, I had my suitcase full of them. I went to New York. I went to New I, York with VHS. I, I, took a, no I took a VHS tape to Luna Lounge, and, and I like was like, you guys should probably book me. Well, it's also like Louis it's C. pretty K. hard John for Stewart the on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just roll up. Like in Chinatown, but you're selling them on the street, <laughs> like they're counterfeit bags. Dude, I mean, Amazing. that is the that is the advantage of now is that you 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 are you are way more dialed in to what the 
you know, what the mm-hmm. journey entails and you're, and you have a way, you know, that's why people show up to LA with like fully developed careers already. Yeah. You know, they show up, they were the, they were the, the being a big fish in a small pond pond now means you are probably writing for a newspaper. you have a full on successful national podcast. Yeah. And absolutely. that does great numbers in your own market. And you are able to book, you know, festivals help. Yeah. Festivals where like, you know, they're trying to, every festival wants to like give the industry some reason to come there. So they have to book new good talent and there's, it's definitely out there. So like there's, it's way more exciting. I mean, the business just got bigger. It got, you know, more exciting for sure. And it's way more accessible and it's way more visible. And, and back in the day, like you only saw the best people at their best. That was it. it. You Which did not is, see George Carlin working out material unless you were able to go <laughs> to. Sometimes I wish we could just do that, though. Some people, yeah. I, we don't need to watch everyone develop. We re- we don't. <laughs> no, we all, also we don't need to. I mean, let's be honest. I'm I'm looking at like some of these some of these celebrities who are going on tour. Like, watch me develop new material, and it's just like, golly, that's the place to be. Like, to be so to be to have such a fan base that are gonna ready to watch you like absolutely suck because you're famous <laughs> enough. Like, and they're paying oh, $70 for the privilege. $70 to see you absolutely suck. Like no, <laughs> no, no understanding that like, I mean, for that matter, like your manager should be there and your agent should be on stage with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, this is what went in to this, to me being famous enough to you pay $70 to watch me suck. <laughs> no. I'm actually, I actually do not really write material that well. I, w- I wrote a really hot seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was exactly. at the right time in my life to write a really hot seven to get me through a lot of gates. And then now I kind of have a drug problem and suck. But, <laughs> but, like, I'm like, you see, you're saying all this and I'm like, oh, that could be 10 different people off right, the top of yes, my head. I'm not, I don't need to name anybody. <laughs> There's a lot of people like that. And it's like, okay, well... <laughs> And then there's also, and then there's also buying, paying seventy dollars for tickets to go see comedy because of a podcast, and that also gets us into trouble because, yeah. you know, I mean, you can this will be dozens of other people in your mind like that person's not a stand up is not podcasts. No, it's not. <laughs> it's person, not just talking. That, that person has conversations with famous people, and they're not going to do that at their live show. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're just going to eat it for gonna, an hour and a half. And you're going to love to watch them eat it, I guess. Yeah, God bless. So you uh, so you went to the University of Wisconsin. Did, did you, at that point, when you were in college, was college a backup plan? or Because um, you said you, start, you went to your first open mic in college. So were you yeah. like, well, let me get this out of the way? Or were you well, still pursuing was, something else? No, it was really important to my folks that I went to school. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I was, I gravitated towards art. I had a really good art teacher in high school who was kind of a mentor. And and Mm -hmm. so I just kept with that and then, you know, kind of got through it in four years and graduated and, and was done. And then in over the course of that time, I started going to uh, the mic down at uh, the funny business comedy club at the time it was called. Mm-hmm. down on state street in madison and um it's since become you know three different clubs um, of course what the, and, what made you do it the first time you went up um i mean probably if i had to be honest like eddie murphy delirious 
eventually. Mm-hmm. Like Eddie sure. Murphy's responsible for, you know, just what five generations of comedians. Yeah. And so um, you saw him, and you were like, "I can do better." <laughs> I, that's you know, and and uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Um, um, no, I'm probably. I just was always a fan, you know, and then, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all cursed at some point comedians are hopefully, unless they're a complete psychopath or cursed with friends that told them they were funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but like, I can't remember anything that really made me decide to do it. When you first went up, were you like, this is it, this is what I want to do? Or was it just kind of like hobby at that point? It bombed. I mean, it was, it was, Way too early. It was like, um, hold on a second. What's up, Mom? No, nothing. I'm just doing a um, um, radio show. Open mic <laughs> My mom's chiming in here. She she remembers the early days. Uh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the first couple sets were all out bombs. I remember getting laughs um, with the Crocodile Hunter impression. That was your first set? Amazing. That, that, was, that was probably... Like, I remember set three, uh-huh. and I recorded on a, you know, I had a cassette tape recorder. Do you still have this? Mm, it's probably somewhere, uh-huh. but I remember getting a laugh, and I was like, I did it. I'm here. I invented stand-up comedy, and this is, <laughs> and this is I don't know what they were doing before me, but it's all, it's all going to be different now. I'm here, and you're welcome. <laughs> What's wrong and... with all of us? <laughs> uh, yeah, like there should be, man, somebody should do like, a, God, for like fucking stand up clips, somebody should invent like an app to like reality versus inside the comedian's head for like the audio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. It's so funny, too, how precarious that feeling is, or at least for me, where I'm like, I'll have a good set. And I'm like, fucking look at me. I can't wait to film this next hour. And -hmm. then my next set is a little shaky. And I'm like, should I quit doing this? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I shouldn't even be living in this city anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of what comes along with, you know, just, that's why they say just like, you need reps, you need stage Mm -hmm. time because you don't learn how to like pocket those or like, just kind of, you know, let good sets slide off just like bad sets. Yeah. You don't really learn that until you have to do it over and over and over again until you know. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you only go up like twice a month, you like sit on those sets like for so long Mm -hmm. and then you're like, it kind of like, it shifts your you know, your, your mindset and like for not necessarily a, a positive direction either way. Like you have to be yeah. able to like, just forget about sets over and over and over and over again and yeah. just be like, and to where, to where you get to a point where you can, you don't need the crowd to like judge the material really. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and that's also a very, that sounds very psychotic, but if you are working uh, regularly and you're able yeah. to like, and you have a, you know, you are more over the years, you get more and more in touch with kind of the, you know, the, the rhythm or the voice behind the way you do it. You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of know, like, well, I mean, 
I'm working and this is what I do. And I think that's funny. So I think that was actually funnier than the crowd gave it credit for, or I only got a laugh there because I commented on how not funny they thought it was, or, yeah. you know, like you kind of like grade it accurately, you grade it on a curve appropriately. Yeah. If it, it's interesting to see person to person, cause there's, you know, we've both seen it. Every celebrity out there do stand up and some of them, get laughs just for being famous and they eat it up and they're like, yeah, I'm the fucking God of this shit. And it's, and then it, it sucks to see. Cause you're like, no, you're really actually not that great. <laughs> and then, and then some people can really, they can feel it in the moment. Um, like, I mean, I guess an example of the latter would be, I saw Chris Rock go up at the pop in at the cellar one time and he did like 20 minutes murdered for 20 minutes. Cause it's Chris Rock. And mm-hmm. at the end, he was like, okay, I think there's one bit in there. <laughs> right. And I'm like, saw, oh, he knows. Yeah, I saw, <laughs> I saw Chris Rock in the original room of, like, I don't know if it was, like, eight years ago or something like that. And he was literally taking, like, 45-second pauses to reset the room in between bits. Because he knew oh, he wow. was getting, like, huge Chris Rock laughs, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like, I just went down there on a Saturday to watch or something like that. I wanted yeah. to kind of... Um, just watch a bunch of comedy. I was I was off or whatever, and 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 that was eye opening because I was like, oh my god, he has to do that to like, and because you you know it was pretty obvious what he was doing, but like the the room to the point where it made like the room uncomfortable because mm-hmm. they they weren't not a lot of them were not kind of aware of why he was yeah you know, it was like is this guy on drugs level <laughs> length pauses um but it was really just to reset the room and then he was yeah. like kind of. You know, Good taking his, for doing that. Sure. Oh, yeah. And taking his time to read his notes. You know, you take notes up there and you kind of want it to be seamless. You don't you know, you don't have the you don't have the cachet to uh, to start brand new every bit. But, you know, you, so you kind of <laughs> glance at your notes, but like there's important beats there to yeah. like to like go into the bit that you, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to. I'm, I'm not very good at, memori- at remembering stuff. So like it's if I've written a a bit out that I'm like, oh, that's going to work, but I have to do every, you know, all four parts of that to build that idea and then tag it with the thing that I think is actually funny. Mm -hmm. Like I can forget any one of those parts if I'm not like soaking up, if I'm not reminding myself somehow. And so he was really like taking the time to, not that that's how he works, but like, it just seemed very valuable if you're able to like have the, you know, Chris Rock balls to like come back and like start over again every 45 seconds. <laughs> I know. Just each brand new bit. Yeah. No, this is, we're going to see if I can do this at all on stage. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think also kind of going back a little bit when we were saying, when you were talking about evening out good sets and bad and learning to let, let them just kind of fall away. I, whenever somebody asks if stand up comedy is hard, I'm like, the whole, hardest part of this of the whole business for me is is keeping your emotions together because you have such high highs and then such low lows back to back Mm -hmm. and it's like you when I first was in it and like not able to control my emotions more I just felt like I was insane all the time because Mm -hmm. you like have this huge spike of adrenaline and then you crash and you're like I should probably just die maybe I mean I don't (laughs) know Yeah. I don't know. That's so hard. I'm like, the rest of it's just emailing and showing up places. <laughs> right. 
that group of 90 people clearly communicated that I am not needed on this group here, yeah. uh, in this showroom, or on this planet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you, you, you just have to, like... Well, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to... Uh, I was just going to say, what did, uh, ask what you went to college for. Not why, <laughs> but what did you study in college? Uh, art. I was an art major and a commerce oh, okay. major. I just kind like of what, uh, what type of art? Studio uh, ceramics and photography. Oh, look at you. Yeah, yeah that, was what, that was my pandemic um, hobby was actually building a pottery studio in my garage. And getting what? Back and we bought a pottery wheel and I got back into... That's incredible. Yeah. I tried to get my roommate to get a kiln for Which, You can check out some of my work on at Nate Craig Live on Instagram. I have photographs of my work up there. Bowls and vases and definite cups and <laughs> got back into it. Um, Dusted it off. It. Dusted off the dust. That's great. So yeah. back to your so you did the your open mic in college. Mm-hmm. You are you every know, Wednesday, once a week. Yeah. Plenty of plenty of reps. Nowadays, it's like, dude, you could be in Portland. There's like 20, 25 shows a night. Yeah, constantly. So mm-hmm. did you, by the time you were done with college, were you like, oh, I'm fully pursuing stand-up? This is it? That's what I want to sure. do? Yeah, I won the funniest person on campus contest and became well, there the, you go. the house MC at the club. And they had just moved across the street upstairs to mm-hmm. a different, it was, it's that, this, this one, the second one is now gone. And it's, that was, but it was very nice it was upstairs it was like a third floor you walked up a long staircase to get up there you just felt it was fancy the bar mm-hmm. was fancy it was all brand new and like i got to be like i got to MC like a weekend a, a month there and then like after i nice. won this contest it was like kind of the, the did you move to chicago right away from there yeah pretty soon after that yeah um yeah I, that was so that contest was like that the spring of my senior year in college and then and then I moved to Chicago in like 2000 nice what made you yeah. choose Chicago just cuz well I did, market, I did I um yep yep and it was just clearly the best choice mm-hmm. there's so much there in the second city and I went to uh I actually went to um to the um to see the the poetry open mic at the green mill and oh, I saw, nice. I saw, um, Mark Smith is his name. He's, he invented the poetry slam at the green mill. And I saw him do, it was like Christmas. Um, and he did like, he did this poem, the ghost of Christmas expectations. Mm-hmm. And he like came out of this hole in the stage, the stage where I perform live at the green mill on, he like came out of the stage still it's the the stairs down to the tunnel that al capone used to escape from yeah people trying to arrest him or shoot him and yeah for that, anyone listening that doesn't the green mill is a legendary legendary bar and in performance venue in chicago jazz, it's, yeah it's jazz club it's it was found, it wasn't the green mill when it was founded but it's the same space since 1907 and it's mm-hmm. like as chicago as it gets there's bullet holes in the wall it's it's an awesome place yeah, and, um, gorgeous. and every Saturday there's a show there. There's like, a, they build it as a live magazine. They lean pretty heavy on comics from the scene and comics mm-hmm. that are touring, but also there's like, you I've know, done it's the show. Like, it's so oh, fun. It's, I don't know. I, there might, might be the best show in America at two yeah. 30 in the afternoon. Yeah. In Chicago. I did that show. And I was like, that was one of those moments yeah. where I was like, 
I'm the greatest living comedian. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I very clearly. That was, I mean, that's how psycho I am. I was like, I have to shoot my comedy special there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's, that's the place. Um, but I had been going to the green mill since, since early on. And, and, um, and I saw, dude, I, I was, I mean, it's one of the shots I wanted in the special was, I just remember sitting, I like, was like, it was standing room only. I like walked in the door off Broadway, stood in the back and watched Mark Smith do this like beautiful thing that he wrote about, you know, just the holidays and being a human and missing people and seeing mm -hmm. people and loving life and resenting your past and being mm -hmm. optimistic for the future and all the above. And like, he just had these, he had like chains on, he did like a real Christmas story thing, mm -hmm. like, you know, and he like, I could just see the, the spotlight kind of hit him from behind. It was just the most coolest, realist spot. And I was like, oh, this is way different than anything I knew or thought I knew. And I'm going to move to Chicago and I'm going to, you know, figure out exactly what I'm doing here. And this is, you know, it's also self-important. And like, I was way too young to be, have anything to say or anything, but you know, I'm, at least I had decent instincts because Chicago was a great place to live and do. Yeah. It's do such a great place for comedy. Yeah, it really it's, is. And it's, it's, it's never been better than now. I mean, it, you know, I love going back there, there now, you know, more than ever. Cause mm -hmm. there's just, I mean, cause like we said, comedy has blown the fuck up and yeah. Um, there's a ton of, there's a, there's an audience for it and there's tons of good shows and there's so much talent and there's so, such good pro people, people are way better at producing shows now, you know, it's, they're yeah. not, you know, they're, they, they're on top of their shit. Mm -hmm. Like they, in the, a way the, where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing even. Right. I mean, it's, there's nothing better than when, I, you know, they, because the, the, well, the, also because the business is good. So the bars respect a good producer and if a producer comes in and they got this is my social media guy this is my uh camera crew <laughs> you know like yeah, like so these, much every comic is their own network now it's like damn dude like that is it's it's a lot it's a lot yeah so when you got to chicago right away were you like did it did it feel exciting right away and good or oh, did yeah. it feel oh. like no right away there was like this it was like kind of right at the not the beginning, you know, I think like, you know, the, and this might be, this might turn some of your listeners off, but you got to understand like comedy wasn't so fluid as it is now. Like mm -hmm. now, like people can, can go up, like good comics can go up and crush in any room, you know, like, like Mark Marin is equally as hilarious in the main room at the comedy store on a Saturday as he is on Monday at hot or Wednesday when's what night is hot tub you know like the most oh, alternative yeah. show uh -huh. you know where people are kind of have different sensibilities and are looking for you know a little bit different of a product and that didn't necessarily used to be the case you know like it it it, it was when and I'm just gonna say like early years of all comedy and I'm, I'm wrong about that like that goes all the way back to I mean Emo Phillips taking a trombone case on stage and not addressing it you know, for 10 minute sets, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's, you know, I'm not talking about like, but like once stand up got on the way to being as mainstream as it is now, mm -hmm. the kind of genre of alt comedy, you know, was still relatively young in the early aughts, mm -hmm. having kind of, you know, I think 
and somebody would have to correct me and I'm sure it goes all the way across the pond to England and Stuart Lee and the people before him. And, you know, like not that Stuart Lee's old or anything, but he's, you know, mm-hmm. um, just one of my favorite comedians. And I wanted to drop a name and sound like I knew what I was talking about, but <laughs> I will say like, there was like Luna lounge was like the mm-hmm. predecessor to like, and then it, you know, that was like the, the the night the room in the nineties you know that was like mm-hmm. the kind of the Janine Garofalo Garofalo yeah. like like um, that room with like that whole generation of comedians I don't know maybe talking I'm probably missing some rooms but like then yeah, there course. was this room in Chicago called the Elevated mm-hmm. which was like a lot of Second City performers would go up there and um, a lot of like non Second City performers would go up there there was this guy. Shappy, who had won like a, he was like a national poetry slam finalist, and he just did like funny. He had like this, just a, he just growled. He had like this, you know, he would like, but he would also, he would drop his, he would use his whole register and really mm-hmm. perform the shit out of his pieces. And like, he, I mean, the comics like that, they would go up there, they would do like conceptual shit, you know, like they would be, you know, in character, they would just kind of just blow the doors off what you know what i thought people were were supposed to try to do yeah just doing something completely different as a stand-up doing bits like hey did you guys you guys ever been on the bus before you know like they don't they weren't interested in that shit yeah (laughs) they were like you know they they were like i like to ride on top of the bus you know yeah yeah like just something totally bizarre yeah i like to ride you know he's like i um and i don't know that was a long ago, you know, just kind of was part of why Chicago was such a great place yeah. to come up. I definitely was. It was very exciting to yeah. me. But I, but again, I was a fan. I was a super fan. Like I of thought, course. I thought stand up was awesome early, early on. Like, and nobody was coming to these shows. I just thought it was so fucking cool, man. I yeah, really it's did. the best. It's yeah. it's funny because I feel like when I started stand up, I thought, oh, okay, I guess I'm just gonna be totally broke the rest of my life and like floating through oblivion. And I'm like, Oh, that's not like why people are, people are getting into it now. Cause they're like, I want to get rich. I'm going to be a comic. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. an option. Well, I mean, I, you know, people definitely use it. People definitely use it, you know, oh, that, yeah. that is, that's one thing that kind of bothers me. And that's just mm-hmm. me being, uh, you know, you can tell when somebody is just a really good business person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Really they're just really good at graphic design. They want to, they want to, or just write, they know how to write a script. You know, they're, they, they yeah. went to the, they went to a nice school. Mm-hmm. They know they, 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 they took up, they took up the right marketing classes and they took mm-hmm. the right, you know, they majored in English and they, and they, you know, wrote for the school paper and they have an uncle who's an executive and they mm-hmm. have been coached up and they eventually want to get staffed. And so they start doing stand up and with no intention of doing stand up. And they, yeah. They and then the at like 23, they, they finally get their big break as they'll put it. They finally get their big break. They worked very, very hard. <laughs> they started out at the open mic and you know, uh, they, um, they have kind of long, you know, they have that, they have that, confidence that I honestly I didn't get until I was like 15 years in like until yeah. I had like like done something that had like legitimately made me proud they make like they know they're pivoting to a job somewhere so they go off on stage like they're already you know on SNL mm-hmm. because yeah. they very well may be because <laughs> like yeah, it's they, Lauren Michaels kid or whatever the, you know and then and then and then they're they're 
they kind of shoot up. You know, this is just me whining at this point, but they shoot up <laughs> the ladder and and then bounce. And they they never wanted to you know do stand up, and they definitely didn't want to ever work and tour and like mm-hmm. you know do all that shit. Not that you should. Yeah. Um, but I am at the kind same of time, like. I didn't do the road like, you know, like Lori Kilmartin did the road. I, I had a much different experience, but I've still done a lot of the road. And so when when comics are just on TikTok or whatever and they're doing spots and they take off from some viral hit and they don't mm-hmm. do the shit road gigs, I'm like, I can't. I will never consider you a comedian. And I know right. that that's so rude. I know it's 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 really but defensive like, and it's really. But I, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I'm like I'm like oh you uh huh yeah like there's big name comics that I you know that eventually probably had to because you know public appearance became a big part of some of these mm-hmm. agencies' business. So like mm-hmm. some of these people eventually did have to go out on the road, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And not that you should have to go, because I don't think it's necessarily efficient. Like, how much time mm-hmm. have you wasted, like, writing material that was going to work at a, you know, a funny bone when it wasn't actually what you thought was funny? You were like, yeah, but this works. I have to do this part. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. Bit. Or adjusting and taking things out of your stand-up where you're like, yeah, no, this yeah. isn't that. They won't right. like this. Dude, that's the worst. Like, I, you know, I don't even, in the run-up to a taping... If I'm at a club and I'm like, this whole chunk, I'm just going to not do it because I don't want to see it not do well. I think yeah. it's funny. I'm doing it at the taping. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it, eat it right now because I don't agree with anybody who doesn't like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. I don't, I, I'm not, they, they do not get to judge that. I, that is, that yeah. is locked in, you know? Yeah. No, fuck you guys. I'll riff for the 10 minutes that that chunk mm-hmm. <laughs> took. So was your family supportive of this? I mean, I imagine because you were going to art school already, it's not like, it's uh, a just different art form you're pivoting to. Well, I was very lucky. Both my parents went to music school. So they're, they're oh, both nice. musicians. Yeah. Like my dad was a choir director and my mom was a, a cello, a cellist. She played in the Madison Symphony and was a teacher. And That's and, incredible. Uh, yeah. I mean, they both eventually had to work. So mm-hmm. like my dad also had to, you know, wait tables. And my mom was a, you know, worked at a bakery my whole time growing up and stuff. And um, so I was under no, uh, there was no illusions about the the life but Mm -hmm. um they were definitely very much um encouraged me to to kind of do what i wanted and you know there was also taught me to work you know like my dad my dad grew up on a farm so i you know i I, there was work to be done uh there and then also at his house i mean he just grew up you know he was driving farm trucks at six so like that yeah it it was like there was there was no, <clears throat> but, and there, there also was no, they were not discouraging at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, which I think a lot of people deal with, you know, I think a lot of people deal with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel very lucky to have grown up a, uh, an American with a full slate of dreams that uh, <laughs> went unpunished, you know? Yeah. That's incredible. Um, yeah. I love that. So when you were, you go to college, you move to Chicago, you're doing comedy there. At what point, or I guess like how far in did you realize that was, this was going to be your career? Like, this is like, you got it. You're <laughs> going to be year. doing all right. <laughs> um, I was going to say, or have you? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, 
I don't really know. You know, uh, I, I have been doing it for, I think if I did the math right, uh, 23 or 24 years now. And oh, wow. I have, I have had, I have had, um, two different times in my career where I was full time. Uh-huh. Um, one was just as a feature out of Chicago. Life was cheaper. I was working <laughs> yeah. a ton. Um, you know, I was able to, I was able to go to, um, do, do feature gigs and pick up, a, you know, a couple hundred bucks a weekend mm-hmm. for a couple weekends a year. And then I also would like fill in with like, a, so I guess I wasn't necessarily full time because I would substitute teach. But then I would I would also like um, I, I did like plays and shit in Chicago. So like that's when I would have to lean on substitute teaching. But when I was when I was yeah. when I was free, I was working stand. I was pretty much full time as like a Midwest feature for a couple years. That's excellent. And then, and then once I moved to, and then I start, you know, I feature slash headliner. I've, once I moved to LA, I kind of had to start over again, you mm-hmm. know, and then, um, so from like I, totally from the bottom, was it like, well, no, I just, you know, there, there's always that we would talk about those people who were like, kind of like the life on the road seems like a myth to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because they just didn't come up working clubs. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, an, it wasn't like a goal to like, oh yeah, you go do, this two nighter, it's like, you know, there's one show here and then you go to this next day and that's and then they pay you 500 bucks mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, that was never like a goal to get that. So there was no relationships built. I had relationships in like some of the clubs. So I would like come back to the Midwest for like a month at a time for that first year, year and a half. I would, you know, park my car, my Civic with all my shit in it in LA and then like come back and like make a bunch of money and come back, you know. Calling VHS tapes around. Yeah, oh, I never, I still pass the VHS tapes out. It's uh, my calling <laughs> card. I don't have a business card, but I do have this um, this um, cooler with, uh, it's a cooler sized business card <laughs> with, uh, it doesn't have drinks in it. It has a spool of uh, audio video recording of me doing stand-up comedy. And <laughs> I'm sure you have something that makes this functional. Um no, so then like once I did have to get like a, I got like a job, like a day job in LA. I got um, for a couple years so that I, I was like, man, I've moved out here. I, sh- I need to be out here. You know, I like mm-hmm. got my, I came back from one trip. My car had been towed. I was like, you know, I needed to find it. I had kept having to find new What made you choose LA over New York? I the felt weather? like I had done my <laughs> New York. I was 30 at that time. Oh, so yeah. I was like, I felt like I had already spent my New York years in, uh, in Chicago kind of. And I know that. Some people just go to New York and stay in New York, and it's probably mm-hmm. a better place to be a stand-up. But I also, like, had spent a lot of time doing theater and sketch, and I planned on, like, getting acting work at some point. That was, like, my goal. I was like, yeah, but you have to, like... I guess I wasn't good enough as a stand-up at that point, if I'm sure. honest about it now. Like, sure. and I probably wouldn't have said that then, but mm-hmm. that's because I was delusional. But, like, <laughs> I guess probably L.A. seemed like, you know, at that time there was, like, what, like... And it's still even probably like 90% of the, of the industry is happening in LA, you know, as opposed yeah. to New York, you know, and New York's got way more better stand up, but you know, and it's kind of harder to make it there, which makes the stand up better, I think. But yeah, it's tough. Cause I feel like New York is so much better for stand up, but Los Angeles is unmatched. It's so much better for my lifestyle. I'm like, this yeah. is better for my mental health. <laughs> yeah. For my I, physical I, health. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really have a vision for what I could mm-hmm. do in New York. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I'm honest about it, you know, like I just thought get to LA, live near the ocean, enjoy my life. And hopefully I can 
you know, slowly make progress in this business and keep doing what I'm doing on a larger level. Yeah. And, um, for sure. you know, and in hindsight, it's, it's a long struggle, but I, I stand by that decision. I really like New York. I would like to live in New York someday. Um, it's but, incredible. Yeah. I love it out there, but it's, it's I, tough. I it's a tough city. <laughs> I, you know, I was, I've been I've been broke for a long time, so it's not like you know I've been I've been lucky enough to go to New York, and 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 you know, shoot shoot television there and mm-hmm. do shows there, do do big shows there, and really enjoy kind of you know get a look at what New York is like. But the day in day out, three four or five sets a night at all the hottest rooms that. That shit looks fun. That no, shit it looks, looks like fun. a fucking great time. Like if you're fun. in the machine got, there, yeah, yeah, amazing. I've gotten to look at it. I've gotten to enjoy some of that out there, mm-hmm. and but not like I mean, you know, some of those some of those comics out there are just ripping shit every night, and yeah. they're famous for it, and there's they deserve it because it's it's uh, you know they're putting in the reps and they you know they're learning they're they determine what's the state of the industry in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. The comics oh, absolutely. Are, They're setting the, comics, the tone for the rest the, of us. The highest profile comics in New York without question mm-hmm. are like kind of pace setters, you know? Yeah. And then the stores similar to that in a lot of yeah, ways. Absolutely. Um, so your special that you just shot at, uh, the green mill how did i mean i know that obviously that that's something you'd wanted to do for a while it's visually stunning thank you that's great um thank you. my buddy hunter connor's mm-hmm. herm uh and uh his uh director of photography jack wale they shot it and they made it look incredible i i'm like beyond honored to work with some really talented people on this i mean you know bill burr and everything at all things comedy they, they all made it happen so I love that. That's uh, yeah. how did that come about? I mean, I obviously like you had the idea to do it there. How did that end up happening? Because I well, don't know if anybody else filming stuff there. I don't think anybody has, and if they have, it hasn't come out. I think somebody did an album there, and I'm sure mm-hmm. there's probably like you know movies have been shot there, mm-hmm. and I'm sure somebody has maybe a musician has shot some stuff there, but like nobody shot a special there, so I, the pressure was kind of on. I felt. To like, mm-hmm. you know, definitely don't make, definitely don't suck. Definitely don't do a special at the Green Mill and have it be anything but <laughs> but awesome, you know? Yeah. It better be awesome. Did you feel like you put more pressure on yourself to tighten up your material leading up to it because um, of that? I put pressure on myself to do what I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Do all that. And I'd learned that over a couple albums. I have, you know, this will be my fourth album digital full digital mm-hmm. hour album and i've learned lessons along the way at every one but this one in particular and i think like what i was talking about earlier like you just do what you think is funny at your recordings because they're and i've recorded albums in front of comedy clubs that did not know who they were going to see and they definitely didn't know that he was recording an album and that yeah. those sound different those yeah, just sound absolutely different. you know and i've been lucky i've i had one that i really you know i'm really proud of one that you know where kind of that really played a role in like how I think how good it is and how well it landed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like, you know, uh, I have, once I started, this is the second one I recorded in front of crowds that came to see me record something and they That's just, awesome. it's just way different. You just have way more freedom and they're, they're like, they're, you know, 
if they're not, you know, they're fans, they want to see, they like the way you do stand up. So they're more receptive and are to ideas and, and premises. And then you get to, it just, that just resonates and it. You deliver it accordingly. Like, you know, your, your yeah. brain kind of goes with in the direction you, you it was going in when you wrote the th- thing the first fucking time. So it's just way more beneficial. So at, but at the green mill specifically, like, you know, like we were talking about paper, paper machete, like that's such, that's such a next level show. Like those people are not there to see you do what you would do on a cruise ship. Those yeah, people are there to see you. They would hate you for it. <laughs> they want to see you blow the doors off and mm-hmm. like take them in a way, in a place they weren't expecting. And mm-hmm. they can expect somebody who comes up there and does your, your basic misdirection or, you know, clash of context or fish out of water, whatever comedic device you're going to use. Mm-hmm. They've seen it all. They're going to the live magazine on a Saturday afternoon. These people yeah. consume a lot of entertainment, live entertainment. Yeah. You know, alternative, different, non-television based entertainment. They want to be surprised. They want to be, you know, if you have more challenging stuff where you've written something that you think is more creative, that might just, if you took it out into a regular mainstream comedy club in America, it would eat a bowl of dick. It would just <laughs> completely suffocate in in a room. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, you have a little bit more... Uh, uh, le- not leeway because they because there's an expectation that you're gonna mm-hmm. show them something they haven't seen. Yeah. So it's just, which is I just think it's more interesting. So yes, I mean, that's the place it is. I I have a there's there will be a there will be a, an epilogue. I'm I have a I have a a clip from one of the sets I have done at Paper Machete. Mm-hmm. It'll be called Live at the Paper Machete. I have to get this album out, but there will be. A reference Ooh, back, a bonus, a bonus track to uh, to Live at the Green Mill because there there was this. I wanted to shoot a short. I don't know if you saw Preferred Customer, but the opening, I wrote, I read something off stage to a dark room, mm-hmm. and then I shot, you know, I shot like a sh- short two and a half minute intro. But the show had already started. Yeah, you know, I like the intro, like the intros to comedy specials. Yeah, but like I wanted to do one where the show had already started, and I also wanted to make people aware of like the audio distribution of it. Yeah. And I wanted the people in the audience to be aware of the people listening on their headphones on the train. And I wanted the people in the, mm-hmm. in the, on the train to be thinking about what it would be like to be there live in person for yeah. this. And so I liked how that played all things. Comedy liked it. That's kind of how I, one of the things that got me the distribution deal for preferred customer, mm-hmm. which led to them producing live at the green mill entirely. And, um, and so I would kind of want to do something like that again. And I read something in the in the that night of, but it didn't hit like it hit at Paper Machete. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I like, you know, obviously you want to put out stuff where you're crushing. But yeah, it's uh, also like trying to catch lightning in a bottle, like capture that same feeling yeah, from Paper Machete. Yeah. So so I just, you know, I have the audio from Paper Machete and I'm going to release um a, a piece that I read there. Cause it was really just very way more like lit slammy and like, yeah, not, you know, I've literally read it on my phone and it was kind of like, you know, they really enjoyed it after it was after it. my set. It was after my set. And I was like, I'm going to try one more thing. And then I wrote, I wrote, I read them yeah. this thing that I wrote. It's about, um, the saying, um, is it, is it, if worse comes to worse, if worst comes to worse, if worst comes to worst 
or if worse comes to worst. <laughs> and um, no, honestly, like nobody knows. There's no consensus. So like I yeah. just wrote a piece about that and I did yeah. like, I like wrote about each of the scenarios uh-huh. and like what that would mean and how the differences yeah. between them. And like, you know, that's the kind of shit like <laughs> that, just, that could just get you fired from a week at a comedy club. If you try yeah. to do something, you know, like. Like, doing something like that they're like no yeah yeah, yeah. No, but, but, but i don't then, think so but, but then in a room like paper machete like you, you you know there's no rules you don't have to you don't have to adhere to the saying you know you could just do like yeah. something. You, there's like you could write anything there's no it's ultimate freedom so i just that that needs to be explored more and stand up i've always enjoyed that about you know so-called alt comedy i just think uh-huh. it's you know i i i i i I say that with no, you know, not as a pejorative and not as a, um, not like I have any preference. Like I, I like mm-hmm. all different genres, but like, yeah. I do think that is one thing that, that kind of, you know, your non-mainstream comedy does do is it's a little bit more, um, you know, and it's to be expected, you know, mainstream crowds, aren't, yeah. you know, they, they, they maybe never saw stand up before. They, this is my first stand up yeah. show. And this guy started talking about. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> you know, like. Well, it's so cool also to see people that uh, like with alt. I mean, I like all of it. I'm the same. I'm not like it's got to mm-hmm. be one or the other. But it's so cool to see kind of people kind of cracking open what you thought it had to be like. Yeah. Because I I love Chris Rock and I always have. He's always been my number one. And then and and that's a really specific style of like club comedy. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go somewhere and see Maria Bamford. And I'm like, did she just in- invent this? I, th- oh, I think she just invented this because it's so oh. completely different. And she is just murdering, murdering. I there, I hate the idea that Maria Bamford would go anywhere and bomb. And There's you know no, she, I and you know, can't she imagine does. It. Yeah. She probably doesn't <laughs> yeah. know because her, yeah. because all the tickets are getting snapped up by her fans. Mm-hmm. But like, she couldn't do like funny bones. That's a fan. They'd be like, what is this? That's a fascinating <laughs> conversation, which, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to meet Maria. Uh-huh. I, I, I do know her. I think she knows mm-hmm. who I am at this point mm-hmm. um, because we've met each other so many times. But like, man, would I love to talk to her about that because I'm sure that she has just chewed it thousands of times like mm-hmm. all of us have. But like, she's mm-hmm. such an incredible Mm-hmm. Comic, like she's always in my conversation for the greatest living comedian because of how yeah. brilliant and fluid and incredible original, original <laughs> and like courageous. Like she, like I hate to say courageous about stand-up comedy because it does sound so self-important in the end. But dude, she's like has like she bent she battles with like serious mental illness. Yeah, and she's like up there like dangling her brain in front of everybody. In a mm-hmm. way that's like, oh, dude, if you don't like this, then I, I, stay in, stay inside. Like, don't, like <laughs> yeah, the world like, is not for you. Go to the gun range. Do whatever you got to mm-hmm. do. Like, light fireworks off. Go eat cheeseburgers. Like, keep it simple. Don't don't venture outside at all. God bless your heart. But this is what fucking humanity is, is right here. Miss Maria Bamford shit yeah. is fucking. That's a story t- being told in your face. You better fuck, yeah. fuck in. You don't want to do that shit. I don't know what the fuck you're even, what's, what's your day to day? What's your, what's your mental 
What's your mental condition? Yeah, it's you're like, mentally ill if you don't like Maria Bamford's mental yeah. illness. <laughs> it's like you're in an art class and people are everybody's using primary colors, and then Maria's like, "What if we blend things? What if I fucking put a sticker on this?" It's like, what? I didn't think that was an option. Oh my god, I saw her be so funny just recently at. Um, do you do Bridal Show at um, the Fable? Yeah, uh, uh-huh. Microdose, mm-hmm. which I think honestly has become one of the best shows in LA. I'm so excited when I get to do that show, but she did the uh, anniversary, the one year anniversary show. Mm-hmm. It's a relatively new show. If you're in LA, check that out. And it was raining. It was misting. So it was, mm-hmm. it was very wet, but not quite hitting the crowd hard enough so that she, mm-hmm. they had to go inside and it was the anniversary mm-hmm. show. And Maria Bamford was up there murdering in the rain. And she got, at one point she lays down in like a puddle of water. Like she was just doing it for the bit. <laughs> And it, but it was part of the bit. I can't remember why she did it. Oh, my God. I had never seen any of the material. I hadn't seen her live since, you know, in like over a year. And I was uh-huh. just like, oh, my God. It was still Unbelievable. so consistent. So consistent. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, back to what we were talking about. Like, you know, that is such a, cons- a consistent genius. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she has chewed it in front of, you know, crowds <laughs> that just were kind of waiting to see something like they had seen on TV that one time they saw stand-up comedy. Yeah. It's like they didn't come to see what you have in your brain. They come to make sure that you have the thing that they just saw. They want to see as seen on TV. Right. And, and it's, and it's the classic, the classic comparison is like, people don't, people never ask like, what type of comedy is it? You know, like country music fans don't want, don't blindly buy tickets to rap concerts, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really great point. They don't, they don't do that. It's not how people think it's all the same. And then these people, you know, they're like, Oh my God, we're going to take Susie for a bastard. We're going to go this. It's like, yeah, but, and you bought, you bought tickets to go, you're, 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 you're all, Republican sorority girls, you're about to get to see Jackie Cation and she's going to fucking feed it to you for an hour. And now you're, now you're kind of like, why is she talking? I was just, this one's sad. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? That's so funny. Um, so you're, you have the special out, you're about to release the album also. Yeah. I think, I think you'll be able to listen to it on Sirius Mm -hmm. XM satellite radio. Yeah. I'm not sure what channels yet, but hopefully all of them. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. They should play it on all of them. I think it'll be exclusively on Sirius XM, but I cannot announce that. I will have to, we'll have to wait and see. So yeah. Well, um, they'll be listening to this, so they'll get the hint. Come on, guys. Check me out. Live at the Green Mill. And just like also, how did you know? I'm always curious. How did you know it was time to uh, do your next hour? Was it, were you just like getting tired of it? Or did you have so much other material mounting that you were like, got to get rid of it? Um, I had like the core chunks done. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Okay, so that all fits together, that all fits together, and then that all fits together. And then I had my closer that I liked. Just and since this like, is your fourth album, like does it does it feel easier to kind of I guess like kill your darlings and move things forward and be ready to Totally. Do it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you you got to be able to do that. You have to you know, I have like the big chunks for my next, you know, because we shot this a year ago. Mm-hmm. June 1st, a year ago is when we shot it. So, you know, there's um, 
It was feeling some pressure to get it out because there's some dated stuff. Luckily, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of tell them in a way that isn't so specifically um, dated, but um, but it's been a year since, and mm-hmm. um, so I've already been. And you know, I'm you're, I'm probably the next time I record an hour, I'm probably already thinking about bits for the next. You know, like it's, yeah. it's stuff that I don't know. Some people can write material and turn it out and finish it right away. I, I have sometimes bits that, you know, I have a bit that I maybe just found out how to tell it. That was about, um, that never made it into a taping or an album. Mm -hmm. That's like, I've been, I had some version of it in my act for over 10 years, you know? And it's, yeah, some things are a little bit harder to crack, I think. And it also depends on where you're playing. Like sometimes if you're just able to be more loose and riffing more, you find something where I feel like, Oh, go ahead. It's just what bit do you put it in? It's yeah. like I like these lines, but like the 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 premise is kind of one dimensional, and it doesn't really fit with anything else that I do. And I like it to be yeah. all kind of a coherent um, yeah. through through line or something. So once you find it, if it fits with something else, I think that frees it up a little bit more and makes it a bigger. Yeah, and then you can find all the connective tissue between yeah. the two bits. Right. Yeah, it's it's bigger than just the the three metaphors in you know that you that make people laugh. Yeah. It is funny when you're putting an hour together to think like, uh, I'll think like, oh, there's, I need to find callbacks or some way to tie this stuff together. And then it's, you just kind of naturally find these little corners of each bit that all come together and connect. And it's like, oh, it's as if it's all coming from the same brain. (laughs) Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's almost like this is almost like this is personal. Yeah. Yeah. And then then when it is and, and you're able to like, make it kind of bigger than just the one little thing that sounds, you know, jokey and hokey and way too, you know, uh, uh, fleeting, I guess, then the crowd feels like you're being more vulnerable. And then that, I think from my experience, uh, makes people, um, at ease. Mm -hmm. They feel like they chose the right thing to do with their evening. They're at ease. You're, you are, uh, you, you obviously care about, uh, what you're saying because it's, it's, it's clearly, um, coming from the same brain and, and yeah. you, you know, it all kind of the, the through line makes it uniquely you in, in a way. And so yeah. I guess once I was able to, in my mind, once I was like, oh, those, I have all these bits that, you know, get laughs, um, and I've figured out, uh, the way to kind of fit them together. Mm-hmm. Then it's like okay, run that set as many times as I can, and hopefully it's funny when. And then get it record. in the can and start making money off of it. Yeah. <laughs> start raking in those dollars. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I could, I am tempted to ramble on, but I'm like, we're we're at an hour. I gotta let let's, you go. I let's gotta cap it and give you your uh, day back. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Lise. And I, yeah, we'll, of course. We'll, We'll save it for the next one, but um, I'm such a fan, so it's an honor to do the show, and I can't no, wait to. I, I'm such a huge fan of your work. I'm so excited for the special. I love that you, you were shot there. at the Green Mill. You you were there. You did the uh, you did the warm um, one of my warm up sets uh, in Santa oh, Monica yeah. at, the West at the West Side Comedy Theater. Check that place out if, if you're in LA. That's also an awesome club that they have completely um, perfected. Yeah. Chris Gorbos and the crew over there. Um, but like you did uh, the warm up show uh, right before I flew back and and taped, I think one of them. Yeah. That was yeah, that so was fun. a little while ago. Yeah, that was so fun. Mm-hmm. It was great. Always a great time. 
Um, well, I'm really excited for everyone to hear it and for it to be on Sirius and uh, for yeah. all updates that's great. and all tour dates, mm-hmm. NateCraig.com, NateCraig Live on uh, Instagram, and that's where I post most of my stuff. Yeah, go check it out, everyone. Um, well, thank you. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lisa. Talk soon. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, that was Nate Craig. You can find him on Instagram at Nate Craig Live, and you can find all of his tour dates, albums, and anything else you need to know about Nate on his website at natecraig.com. And of course, I'm Lisa Curry. You can find me on Instagram, and please do, at Olympian Lisa Curry. Other than that, we will see you right back here next Thursday. If you're enjoying the podcast, like, subscribe, tell a friend, write your congressperson, and we will see you later. Goodbye.